Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? I was fortunate to be included on a mission trip to Poland and Israel a few years ago, where I met and got to know today's guest, Jody Lipton. We became fast friends, sharing interests in around working out, family business, and podcasts. Two out of three of those applied to this long overdue appearance of Jody Lipton, attorney and partner at Lipton Law, a family-run personal injury law firm. Jody has been recognized numerous times as a super lawyer. Please enjoy the fire and fight Jody Lipton, super lawyer, brings to this episode of Generation Excellence. So welcome Jody Lipton to the Generation Excellence podcast. We Thank have, you, Jamie. I'm so we, happy. I know, Jody. We, we've traveled parts of the world together. And one of the things we did at different times over the years was exchange suggestions of podcasts to listen to. Uh, none of the time at which came up this podcast, but that's okay. It was a new venture. Uh, so I appreciate you doing this and really appropriate that we're doing this together. And, uh, you know, law, law firms are, um, you know, many of them have the generational component uh, and also have the same sort of things that, you know, any other business has to do, which is to try to find its niche and ways to differentiate and all that. So, I mean, I love starting with the origin story. And I mean, your father has definitely a very interesting sort of journey into the law and into his own practice. So love to sort of start there with your both remembrances of it, the mythology of the founding of Lipton Law, and then we'll go from there. Well, first of all, I, I know my origin story because I lived it, and I love <laughs> yeah. telling it because uh, uh, it's a way to honor my dad who passed right. in February of 19 at uh, 90 years old. And so um, uh, I always tell people that I was born on second base because I took hmm. over my dad's firm. My dad was not born on second base. He mm -hmm. is, he was uh, a child of immigrants. His parents came from uh, uh, a shtetl that doesn't even exist anymore on the Poland-Russian border. And uh, they, they were fixed up in America and um, never really learned English. His mom really at all, his dad not very much. Um, and they struggled, they struggled through life. Uh, uh, my father's father, who and I did not meet either of them because my dad is an older guy when he mm -hmm. had me. Um, they, uh, the his mom was a seamstress and his dad was a janitor and he worked at a gas station and uh, a lot of odd jobs. Um, so my father grew up like a lot of immigrant kids on the west side of Detroit. Uh, worked very hard. Didn't have a lot of. Uh, free time or extra mm -hmm. money. And um, he always wanted to be a lawyer. I mean, he said, ever since he can remember, he always wanted to be an attorney. Um, he got out of high school and uh, the Korean War started uh, when he was about 21. And okay. in 1953, he got drafted. Oh, so he, 
he did his best to avoid the draft, you know, by getting like a teaching certificate. Uh, but when it was his time to go, he he did his duty and he got on a bus and went down to Fort Knox and a guy named Mike Papista was assigned uh, above him on a bunk. And Mike was from the east side of Detroit. <laughs> and they um, have unbelievable stories. My father wrote his memoir and I love to read it. It's it's really just a treat. And uh, and he loved that part of his life, even though when he was going through the military, it was rough. He was sure. uh, 125 pounds, five foot nine, <laughs> Jewish guy. Um, and, uh, he always says if it weren't for Mike Papista and another guy, uh, making sure that people didn't jump on the little Jew, as they called him, uh, it would have been a tough experience. Oh. Um, so he went through the military and he was, um, able to actually go to law school at night. Okay. So while he was down there at Fort Knox, he applied, um, to the university of Kentucky and he went to law school at night. And after somehow making it through basic training, he negotiated and schmoozed his way into a department called information and education. So he he really loved that. And he said that honed his legal skills and his jury sure. skills because, you know, by the end, he was extraordinarily comfortable speaking in front of 100 um, recruits. He would teach uh, government and um basic civics. Uh, these are, you know, young men. He said a lot of them at best had a high school diploma. Right, right. And so, um, so he, he really, you know, he got through his two years and he eventually uh, got out of law school and it took him a very long time to get through. I mean, got out of the army and took him a very long time to get through law school. Okay. Um, he, he went to multiple schools, uh, a summer here, a semester there. Uh, he was teaching, um, you know, financially, it just was uh, a rough time Got for it. him. So he's working, um, teaching, going to law school, all of that. Try right, and he finally graduates at thirty years old. Okay, and uh, and he and he and he goes out into the world like a lot of young lawyers back then. And his first job, he always praises him, was a uh, fifty dollars a week. That's what they paid him. And okay. he took a job at a general practice firm, even though he knew he wanted to do injury. And he wanted to specialize. He felt that a jack of all trades was a master of none. That for his first job, he should go a little more general. Okay. So he did criminal and uh, uh, collections and tickets and divorce and everything like that. Um, they were down in the Cadillac Towers, which is where all the lawyers were in the day. And he was doing what lawyers do, learning the ropes. They say law school takes three years but becoming a lawyer is another five to seven okay. to really know what you're doing, especially as it relates to litigation. Um, he started bringing in tons of business to Harris, Stein, and Huberman. He understood very quickly that rainmaking is the key sure. to being a successful attorney, and he decided to, to give it a go. So uh, he, he didn't like that he was only making a small portion of the business he brought in. He saw that he was making a lot of money for the firm. And why should he do that? Then he was going to break out on his own. Um, he hooked back up with his old bunkmate and they had never lost touch. They were always okay. good friends. And uh, Lipton, Papista and Garfinkel was formed in 1964. 
Yeah, a Hollywood and, uh, story almost with the getting back with the bunk bait to form the firm. Oh yeah, it's it. They they never lost touch. I mean, they were they were always good friends. My dad got Mike his first job at the office next to Harris Stein and Huberman, um, but uh, but they decided let's do it, and they brought on another guy, and you know a very well known firm in its day was formed called Lifted Papista and Garfield. Great. And, and uh, yeah, and then so you know, you're is you're a, a young child in the you know the the firm is is being in its earlier days. What what is your kind of first memory of this? What is now a family business, but then was what your dad did. What do you do you recall? Was it at home? Was it at his? Did he take? Does it go into a court? Like, what's your first memory of it? I mean, if you really want first, it would be going down as a little kid to the Penobscot building. Yep. My dad was on the 32nd floor and uh, I have three brothers and we used to go down there and just tear apart that building. I'm sure uh, we were wild kids and it was a different era where parents let you run around yeah, and right. <laughs> we, we play hide and go seek in the Penobscot building and 30, you know, up and down the different elevators and uh, photocopying machine and <laughs> And and just had a lot of fun. Um, in the 80s, I think my next real memory of not being a child running around and photocopying my face on my dad's copy machine, um, I have a very vivid memory of all of us literally loading up the station wagon and helping him move his files from Detroit to Southfield. Okay. Um, in the 80s, a lot of the lawyers moved to Southfield. They bought buildings, including my dad, on 10 Mile. They call it Lawyer Row. Yeah, because, I it. Yeah, it's very centrally located. I mean, sure. we're right off the Southfield. You can go right to Oakland County. You can get, you know, Macomb County. You're right in 696 to get to uh, Washtenaw. Um, so it, it really is the hub. And it turned out, my dad used to tell us, that the clients loved it because we have uh, – free parking and right. a very easy little building to get into. And and so at that time, you're helping do the move of the, the firm, physical move of offices. Were you like, I mean, your dad knew he wanted to be a lawyer from a young age. Were, was that your path? Were you? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Um, okay. My dad, uh, my dad always kept us involved in the law. When we were little kids, he would do his opening statement uh, for us. He'd do okay. his closing argument. I have very vivid memories of him taking me to meet clients. Um, I worked for him. I mean, at some point, all of the Lipton kids worked for my dad. Sure. Um, I was a uh, receptionist. And um, then the firm was Lipton, Papista, Cohen, and Ali. Uh, Garfinkel passed away. And uh, I used to answer the phone. And <laughs> I did, like, co-op in high school. And, um, and, and so I was there. And my dad... Um, he loved his wife and he loved his children, but the love of law was hmm. first okay. and um, all the way till the end of his life. And, and um, so his favorite thing was to talk about his cases and okay. you couldn't help in our family, but to know all of his cases, to know his clients. Um, and, and so we all sort of grew up like that. And the answer to your specific question, I. I did not say I wanted to be a lawyer. That really, for me, did not come till much later in life, even though my yeah. mother begged me to, begged me, 
but uh, I just uh, I just don't think I had the confidence for some reason. And so when when do, when did you make that decision? When you were in college, before, right before? Uh, uh, yeah, right at the end of college. I, I did college. for okay. broadcast journalism. Yep, I I decided Thanksgiving of my senior year. I was going to apply to law switch school gears and okay. go to law school. Yeah. And uh, uh, by the time I took the LSAT and, you know, the prep course, and then you're, you know, it all came down to like May. I was lucky that I got into U of D because law school started three months later. So and, um, and then you do law school. Yeah. You, so you, I think you got through it a little bit faster than your number of years took your dad, right? To, to, yes. to do that. Um, not, not a competition, just how it went. No. And then but you, you, you coming out of that, you went into kind of the, the, um, uh, you know, prosecuting attorney space, correct? In your, yeah, your well, learning the law. Um, is that know, right? Is that the first thing? Yes. Yeah. So I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. Lipton's talk fast. Um, the answer is yes. So I, I, I got out of law school at 24. I skipped kindergarten. So, you know, I, I was young Mm -hmm. and of course everybody, um, I had summer clerk jobs and at different firms in town and people used to just assume that you're going to go work for your dad. Mm -hmm. And I just, um, I said, there's not a chance I'm going to go work with my dad and my brother, who uh, uh, was uh, three years ahead of me and already working with my dad. It's a, you know, obviously a story. And I just said, um, I'm going to write my own ticket. I need to I need to get my confidence that I tell people that I think my dad and brother would have chewed me up and spit me out. And I'm a tough girl, but it's a tough family in our house. And so I got my dream job at the Oakland County Prosecutor's Office, and that was it. I never looked back. I had three amazing years there. Yeah, and, and I know you've shared with me, you, I mean, you, you had amazing years, but you also had to deal with stuff of the times and challenges that, that a young woman in the law had and all that. But, so at what point did you then decide to join the, the family firm? And how did that whole process go? Right. I'd like to say it's like a really deep emotional story. It isn't quite. I will say this, that my brother, who's now my law partner, and I, um, you know, we had ups and downs growing up like siblings do. Yeah. Uh, but as we got older, um, we we did become friends. And he and I live in the same community. He married. A, uh, he went to Harvard. His wife went to Harvard Law. And uh, uh we were getting very close as, as couples, my husband. And so we were just getting closer. And um, I, I guess I decided, uh, my husband and I decided we wanted to have a family. And I got a little realistic. And for me, um, looking at my life and the income you made as a prosecutor and uh, working for somebody and earning, you know, just a couple hours of a vacation time every week. It just didn't, it just didn't seem enough for me at the time. And, um, I got a little upset with the prosecutor at the time. Um, it was his company, you know, his, his office, we had very different politics. I never let that impact me. But when I made my decision to leave, there was some political stuff that I wasn't comfortable with. And, uh, so in June of 96, three years after I started, I uh, put in my two weeks notice. I called my dad and brother and said, I'm joining the firm. 
and let's see how it goes. Great. I mean, and that was it. I didn't ask. I told them I'm going to take off a week. I'll start on X date. And, uh, and you know, my brother fell off his seat. Interesting. Uh, and, and now you've, you know, you've, you've worked together with your brother for a number of years, working with your father. Uh, any, uh, I mean, you know, we'll go into kind of, you know, the, the future of the firm, if you will, but what are some of the, the like great stories from those years of, of all of you working together? The, the things that I guess are instructive to other people that are in family businesses, family operations, family firms? Well, I will tell you that there, there, there were some fireworks. Sure. And, you know, I mean, so you have three type A, loud uh, attorneys. We all have salty language. And it was a bit of a kooky place to be at. Um, my brother and my father uh, uh, butted heads a little bit. And um, I came in, I think I was a bit of a, a mediator at that point, um, but, but it was good. It was good. And my father and brother had very different styles. I don't know how other businesses run, but one of the best ways to teach a young lawyer, okay. um, and this is how I've taught lawyers and support staff who work for me over the years, is just come be a fly on the wall. And so I would literally wander into my dad's office and he would be on the phone and I would sit there and I would listen yeah. to how he spoke to attorneys, how he spoke to adjusters, how he spoke to clients. And then I would wander into my brother's office and he had a very different style. But, you know, I would listen to him. And then, of course, you have to figure out who are you and what is your style? Um, I wasn't a rookie. I'd already done 50 jury trials at that time in my career. I'd run mm -hmm. uh, a, a circuit courtroom. I had done, um, you know, 20 of my trials were felonies. And uh, I already felt really good about who I was, what I brought to the table. But um, there's a big learning curve. Uh, when you switch entire areas of the law. So here, you know, I was doing prosecution and uh, at Lipton Law at that time, we did and still do personal injury only. So we don't do criminal probate. Right. Real estate, so you have very focused um, area. Of very specialty. focused on an injury, um, which was my dad's legacy. And my brother grew it. And I grew it um, when my dad was a young lawyer and had his firm. They did not handle medical malpractice um, okay. or product That's cases. One of I was going to ask about how you've branched or yeah. other things you've gotten into, taken the firm into. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, Mark, when Mark got out of Harvard, I mean, he's my brother's a really bright lawyer, sure. he's a really smart guy. I'm no dummy, but he's he's just smart. And he uh, a, a med mail case would come in and. Uh, for the first year or two, my dad would refer it out to the big guys in town okay. and then say, but you have to teach my son. So my brother did that for about a year, maybe two at the most. And he said to my dad, well, that's not going to happen anymore. I, I don't need those lawyers. I know what I'm doing. And so we started keeping the med mail. Um, and then I joined the firm and I mean, he and I tried road defect cases and medical malpractice cases and, um, you know, very complicated sure. stuff. And and that was one of the first times that, you know, Lipton was already a great name. 
But then, you know, he and I, with our our uh, history and that great name on second base, we were building a reputation of a brother and sister team who really knew what they were doing um, and, and knew how to try a case and weren't afraid to try a case. So, you know, there's there's knowing the law and there's trying the cases and, and they're serving your clients. Then there's just running a business, right? You've got other people who work there. It's 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 a law firm. You you your brother, your father, or just you and your brother. More recently, how 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 do you all? I mean, do you meet every week just to talk about the business? Do you just do how, what? What some of your systems and how do you make decisions? And how's I'm just interested in how yeah. different families do that? So I, I don't think you'll find people who do it like we do. And, okay. uh, but we, we've made it work. So in, in June of 96, I joined the firm in January of 99, Lipton and Lipton of which I was an employee became Lipton law, okay. which I was a, now a partner. My father hired the cases that were in Lipton and Lipton died their natural death over the course of, you know, two years right. and anything that joined the firm January one, 1999 was Lipton Law, and that belonged to Mark and I. And for the first, I would say until 2012, Mark and I, and, you know, we had hired one lawyer. Um, we just sort of heads down, working, and it wasn't much about running a business, right? If I'm being honest with you, okay. at that point, I think there were... Um, we had like three lawyers, me, Mark, and this other guy, and some support staff. And we occupied the second floor of our little building in Southfield. And and, and nobody was minding the business, right? I mean, it just, it just uh, we were doing a great job on cases. We were making plenty of money, but we weren't running a business. Okay. And, and then in 2012, the politics in Michigan really changed. The, um, the the tort reform, uh, I mean, you know, it's a whole history somebody could write about the changing of the law, the, the, the atmosphere, what it felt like in the industry. And um, I literally said to my brother, if we don't start acting like a business, yeah. I think we are going to fade into obscurity. I don't see the mom and pop little uh, firm, I don't think we're going to make it because okay. everywhere Makes you sense. looked, yeah, yeah, there there were billboards and commercials and um, major internet targeting, and there was frankly the bottom dwellers, uh, people who bought police reports and still do um, illegally, mm. um, people who pay kickbacks to um, hospital staff and um, other people, people who pay for private health insurance information, um, kickbacks right. so to hospitals. You're not going to play in that space, so we better professionalize or grow or do the things to compete. That's right. That's right. We have to, we have to, we have to get smarter. So I said to my brother, I can grow Lipton Law. I have to take a foot out of the courtroom because mm -hmm. there's no way I can I can do what I think we need and be taking an eight-hour deposition of an insurance adjuster. So we hired, um, and it's funny, I'm looking, I see you have traction on your wall. So we, we went the Gina Wickman route, we hired, we started the EOS process. 
And um, we didn't have Gino. We had a guy named Dwayne who worked with Gino. And we put in, oh my goodness, so many hard hours, so many long, hard days where, where we couldn't work on our cases. We would be locked in a conference room figuring out Who's our target? What do we look like? I mean, I don't have to tell you, we had to start from scratch, you know, all the way down to like, we didn't have a great logo. We didn't have, we didn't have a website. We had nothing in 2012. We were getting by on the Lipton name and like the 50 attorneys who referred us work and, and the, the past clients and, you know, business always came in. So we didn't care. Um, all of a sudden we had to care. And we, in, in 2012, we put every penny into the firm, a website, we rebranded, yeah. we came up with our new name, we came up with our logo, we're still using the edge you need, the, edge, um, yeah. the, the brochure, uh, uh, equipment, we'd always spent money on equipment, but we really went big on equipment. Um, yeah, it's an inv- you're investing in the future, and and are you still yeah. applying those EOS principles ten years later as you envision the future of the firm, or not? Uh, I'm going to be honest, like not so much because so for a while we were I was a maniac, so we grew the firm. So now what happened was in after that happened, I I hired business coaches for me um, okay. because. I mean, let's be real. I graduated college at 21. I was a prosecuting attorney at 24. I didn't know anything about how you grow a business. I didn't know anything about marketing. I just didn't know. I didn't know anything from anything other than how to be a great lawyer. Like chefs that are great and are famous and they make all these great dishes. Then they go, I'll just open a restaurant. They don't know necessarily about all the other parts of running a business, right? But they have a name in that area that takes great skill That's right. and knowledge and experience and all that. Okay. Uh, so, so you're so really we, we, focusing on becoming both and being both a, a really good attorney and a better business person, right? Um, That's right. And, and now 10 years later, and of course the last couple of yeah. years have been incredibly challenging for every business and you've, you've dealt with that. So as you sit, what are you, what are you thinking about looking, you know, using, EOS principles, you know, your vision for 10 years out or three years out, what are you and your brother? What is, what does that look like? Smell like? Right. Well, our, our old big hairy audacious goals <laughs> we had from the system were to have a team of lawyers and right. check. We did that. So we've got 11 lawyers right. now. Um, hired our 11th lawyer um, a couple months ago um, in my department. I, I run the pre-suit department and um, so that that was one of our goals was to have uh, a, a big team. Our second goal back in that day, we had a goal of handling national cases. OK. And, uh, you know, check. We did that. We we do um, uh, MDL work, multi-district litigation work. We handle uh, medical malpractice cases all around the state. We've had cases out of the out of the state too, uh, a lot of them. Um, my brother, uh, we, we basically went out and hired, I would say, we, we got three of like the top attorneys in the state that we knew would be a good fit. Okay. And uh, 
we got them on our team, you know? So there's, there's like the gray hairs. There's about, uh, let's see, there's, you know, five of us and uh, who are, you know, over 50, right? So, okay. so we're all, uh, we, we filled our, our, our team out with really experienced medical malpractice lawyers. Um, uh, and then of course we have amazing younger lawyers and I mean, they're not so young anymore. I mean, the next, the next know, generation of talent and right. skills. Ten, yeah. Great. This is 10 years out. Kyle's probably 14 years out. Uh, you know, uh, Ashley's maybe seven and Sean is probably around nine. So, I mean, I, I, we don't have like first and second year lawyers at the what, what When you talk about identifying those people, what makes someone yeah. a good fit for Lipton Law? Oh, um, gosh, we've been so lucky. We have zero turnover at our firm. Um, um, that I mean, speaks to uh, the culture and they like it there and whatever, but. Uh... Right. So, I mean, I mean, you know, we, 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 we try to, um, we have a, we have a, a zoom meeting every morning with the litigation attorneys. Okay. Um, and, and my one new pre-suit attorney, when you talk about at the beginning, how do you train people to, you, you, you have to be a fly on the wall. So my newest attorney who's self lawyer for 20 years um, is part of the lit team meeting in the morning. And so we are uh, a Lipton lawyers and all the other lawyers. Let me just say that this, what makes us different and how, and every lawyer who's ever joined the firm says there's nobody like us. Um, we work as a team. Uh, we, we, uh, when a case comes in um, and a med mail case or a nursing home case or, or a case that is, a question, it gets emailed out to the whole team. And then everybody sort of will comment on it. You know, here's why, here's the liability problem. I don't see the damages. I don't see this. And, and we, we analyze it as a team and you're not living in a vacuum that way. So you okay. have a lot of different opinions. We fight as a team. Um, <laughs> we, we, we disagree with each other. Um, fighting over the value of a case. So, so you really have to operate as a team. You, you have to have a thick skin to be a personal injury lawyer. Sure. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, salty language. Uh, uh, voices get raised. Um, you know, a shrinking violet would not fit in at our firm. Um, but, you know, you can't be afraid to speak out. You can't be afraid to uh, make a mistake, but you know if you're going to make a mistake, you're going to fix it, right? And um, yeah, yeah. we call so, it the practice of law. You know, right. so you you can't, you're always yeah. learning and you're right. And I mean that is the interesting thing about the law, right? It's the practice, so you're consistently, continuously practicing, and and the law changes. And so, what keeps you? I mean, you still have that. You know, you got passion for it. You got a lot of fight and fire in you. What what keeps you motivated and, and inspired to keep, you know, wisely, profitably growing the firm and the legacy of the firm? So I was thinking about that in anticipation of today. I mean, I know what keeps me going is I still love the law. I mean, right. I, I it is so sad how often I hear lawyers, mm. you know, they're miserable, they're unhappy. And I, I just can't get over how lucky I was. And, and I do thank my dad for that every day that he um, gave me a, a field of law that I'm extraordinarily passionate about. Um, there's just nothing better than helping people who have, uh, are, are hurt 
our cases are a lot of catastrophic cases. Yeah. I don't do um, I don't do very much soft tissue work. It doesn't mean they're not hurting um, when you have a soft tissue injury. Um, but my docket is filled with spinal cord injuries, brain injuries, uh, amputations, multiple orthopedic injuries. Um, uh, you're meeting people at the worst time of their life. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my specialties uh, that I've always loved that I'll never stop doing is, is intake. Um, I don't want to do an intake on a small case so much. I mean, I will, um, but, but I like to do an intake. Um, you know, I've been to that. I've spent 25 years going to the ICU, meeting families in the hospital. Um, you know, my wrongful death cases are, uh, you know, you just don't ever get over it. So when, I love when, doing that. And when that's your, your work, your career, your, your, uh, you know, where you spend so much of your time, then how, how do you keep your, I guess your balance, your, your mental health, because I mean, you are seeing and dealing with people and it, 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 I mean, it's really serious stuff that you and your, and the people yeah. in your firm deal with. So how, how do you, I guess, quote, get away from it and, um, and keep and recharge yourself? Well, personally, I really don't. Okay. Right. I mean, I, if, if I'm being honest with you, I live, eat, breathe and sleep, lift and law. And what I did do, which was one of our big, hairy, audacious goals for both Mark and I, back when we decided we had to make a new company, was to try and just do the things that I love doing that I'm really good at and cut out the things that I don't want to do. That makes and, sense. Yeah. You know, that, that, that whole quadrants, right? And, and, and so Mark... For him, only wanted to work on catastrophic med mail or huge semi-truck auto cases. And he he really only wanted to do the parts of the cases he wanted. So okay. he, we built that for him. I was done litigating. I only wanted to uh, sign up big cases, solve big problems, help really injured people. And I was able to do that. And because of that, because I don't have to do, because I don't have to do all of the, of the smaller work. I don't have to, uh, because I have so much help now. We've got about 30. No, that's great. I mean, it's the classic, employees, so. that classic management question of what do you stop doing or what do you jettison or what do you get someone else to do or recognize right, that someone else could do better and the delegate elevate and all. No, it sounds right. like you've really applied those principles. I, I don't mean to prescribe that. It's like, Oh, business, the business stuff you deal with is heady and emotional. So therefore you just have to have some grand escape from it. If it's what you do and you love spending that time doing it, you do. I mean, I know you like to travel, so that's a, that's, you well, know, listen, that's, I mean, I travel, I work out every day, but that's, that's, I guess what I'm saying is instead of spending 12 hours a day, I actually have built this firm where I can go work out, exactly. do an orange theory class, go for a walk, and and nobody has no one's minding my hours, right? So right. I'll work on the weekend, I'll work, I'll work at night, and I will start my day with a five-mile walk. I'll go to a class, I'll do whatever I want to do because that's how I built it. So that's why right. I have an intake attorney, two pre-suit attorneys who solve my problems for me. And that frees me up to just do the parts I love and have 
time to go get my hair blown, go visit my kids, go, you know, do all those things. So, so I, I, I think that I, um, I'm the luckiest person in the world because I, I'm, I, it makes me never want to stop. You know, now I can keep going. Right. Right. I mean, you've got it all, you've got it mapped out. So you mentioned your kids, your, your, your brother has kids as well. Um, yeah, my brother has, we, I have three brothers. Three of us are, uh, two of us, two of us, two of the brothers are lawyers, but yeah, my brother, Mark and I each have, um, and two kids. So and is there a, are there any third generation family members involved in the firm in any way or planning to be? I would say never say never because right. look at me and how I wasn't right. going to be. Um, my children will not be lawyers. Right. Um, uh, they just, they're not interested in it. They, they love what I do. They both worked at the firm, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they, they both did things at the firm like um, clerical work, Right. Um, but they are not interested in becoming lawyers, even though they love to hear about my cases and they'll listen to me tell them the stories. Um, my brother, Mark's son, is getting his law degree um, at U of oh. M right now. OK. And uh, and a master's in public policy. I don't see him coming to join Lipton Law. If he did, we would live for it because he's right. a chip off the old block with two Harvard lawyer parents. Um, he's a really bright kid. Um, he says that he um, does not want to come do personal injury, but I, and I'm not really thinking he will, if I'm being honest, I think, I think he means it. So sure. I think that he, he's more policy oriented and I can see him being in, in DC or in a think tank or something like that. And, and I, I wouldn't be doing your business story, family business story justice. If I didn't talk about, I guess, you know, it's a venture that you're involved with, with your husband and other people that isn't a typical business. So you, you, you do have to tell the listeners, I mean, Jody Lipton, Lipton Law, that's, that's, that's your main thing, but the acts and places <laughs> that have that as sport and entertainment and an escape for people, just, just describe that a little bit, if you would. For well, my husband is the best, right? Jeff Kretschmer. Um, he owns several businesses, an entertainment company called Star Treks. And uh, in 2017, we introduced uh, axe throwing to Michigan. So we opened our first bar. It's called Detroit Axe. And it's, um, you know, now I think people in know about axe throwing. But mm-hmm. back when we brought it to Detroit in December of 17, we, we opened our first one in Ferndale. Uh, people had no idea. They thought we were crazy. And um, we opened our second one, unfortunately, three weeks before COVID in uh, Partridge Creek. And uh, so that opened up and then promptly shut down. And COVID delayed the opening of our third one by a very long time. But we opened in October of last year uh, in Corktown. So um, we have these three bars. We licensed. we, We opened two in Minnesota with a, uh, in a partnership, um, later we changed it to a licensing deal, which was great. So it's it's not Detroit X, it's uh, Twin City X and um, Minnesota X. I can't remember, but but we have our three here in Detroit, and that is that is so much fun um, to to be you know to be a part of a all day long in my business. I deal with trauma and sadness and. 
and heavy, heavy, serious work. And then I get to go down to our bars and throw an axe and have a drink. And uh, uh, my favorite thing is to just chat with the people at the bar. And right, uh, we have right. board, board games and food. And um, we think Corktown is going to be, we think Corktown is going to be unbelievable this spring. Yeah, it's, uh, as people are able to just are freer and able to go out more and enjoy that more and do those kinds of things together. Uh, I yeah, mean, you know, it's great. I mean, that, that is, I mean, that I know for people listening that don't know either of those things go, yeah, personal injury attorney and they throw axes. They just, <laughs> it's not a feeder system. There's a great safety in that business. A lot of attention to safety. Uh, what is, I mean, you've had, and, and, and I think you're still young, I'm still young, but you know, you've had a, a, a business and a career. What is the most fulfilling thing for you about Lipton Law, this generational business, this generational firm? Well, I, first of all, I, I'm very proud to have the Lipton name. And uh, I didn't keep it because I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And, and take over my dad's firm. I, uh-huh. I'm a feminist. And uh, my mom says in seventh grade, I used to proclaim I would never change my name. And okay. uh, when I told my husband, when I met him when I was 20, I would never change my name. And that was before I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, but I do love having the Lipton name. It's, it's very um, highly regarded. And that makes me really proud. I, um, I'm very proud of my contributions to uh, the brain injured community and the mm-hmm. spinal cord injured community. I, um, I've put on a legal conference for 12 years through the Brain Injury Association of Michigan. Um, I, I've been blessed to, to have a niche in the world of personal injury. Uh, personally, I happen to not do the medical malpractice cases. I do uh, auto, no fault is really where my specialty lies. And I've just been really blessed to have this history of handling very catastrophic cases. That's wonderful. And that's really, um, I think, you know, I've heard lawyers talk about the handling a quadriplegic case in their life. I, you know, I've handled 40 of them. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, that, you know, or, 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 you know, they'll get like one serious injury case. It's all I do is sign up and handle and help those people. And, I just see the world through the lens like of, you, of that. Sounds to me though, like you do that and and handle it and serve it as if you only ever had one of them. I mean, it's not a I've done this so much this routine. It's that same level of of a fight. You know, I just I love it. It drives me. I can work all night long. I talk to people. I you know, COVID was a lot of silver linings. Being able to, talk, I mean, I I talk to my clients on Zoom or FaceTime. Oh, every day. I mean, I talk to people how, you know, we're and, would the, and that was not video type meetings calls were not a tool you were using prior to the last few years. It was just on crazy. The no, or I, I mean, never even used, I never even used FaceTime. Okay. You know, so I mean, yeah. I, mean I would, I would go and, and, but I you, but drive, it's helped that you've you know, embraced it, but so have so many people that the clients can have some comfort with it as well. They, they love it. Even, even at this point, I don't know a client who can't understand how I can text them a Zoom link right. um, or, you know, or FaceTime with them and they That's... all figure it out. And it has changed. It's It's been a game changer for me. Um, I, I mean, the clients 
to be honest with you, they love me. You know, we, we talk, yeah, they, they hear my passion. They know that I care. And it's put a lot of life in me. I never, I never was bored or I was never getting tired, but this has really been a game changer. And so Jody, I mean, you, you, yeah. you teach, you do seminars, you, you, you have that fly on the wall thing. So it's, it's, it's the younger lawyers hearing and seeing and sponging and, 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 and getting, and I had that same experience sort of as a young person working. So what, you know, besides your own family members, what advice would you give to other younger people who are entering uh, a family business operation dynamic? Uh, and because yeah, there are, it's going to continue to happen, family. I hope, around the world. Otherwise, right. this podcast is done. But I, I'd be interested in what kind of words of wisdom you'd have for them. In the Lipton family, um, we have a, a saying, uh, overdone with gone. And my brother's overdone with gone. Okay. And that is a, a credo that we've all lived by my parents, the way they raised us, the way they talked to each other. You know, unfortunately, I, I did not adopt that in my life. Um, okay. But in the Lipton family, you can pretty much say anything. It can be mean. It can be cutting. And then it's just done with. Nobody mm-hmm. holds a grudge. So, so I'm not telling you it's the most healthy way to run a business. I mean, I forgot that sort of what this podcast is about, but, and I, I think I lost track of that. And, but my brother and I have, have over the years, there's been some fighting, but if you can't just move on overdone with gone and, and figure out what you both bring to the business, which is what we did. Um, we, we figured out what we're both good at. He, I do all the hiring, firing, human resources, rainmaking, everything is that that's on my plate. He does all of the finance and uh, the bookkeeping and he deals with the uh, CPA and he deals with the, all the checks, all the money of the firm. Okay. And we don't go in each other's lanes in that regard. Um, and we we really give each other a huge leash. When we make a decision, I think you asked this earlier and I sort of lost track of this, but you've never seen two people make major business decisions as fast as my brother and no, I. I. I guess that was the case. Made, made done, move on. Yes. Move on. We're, we're we just, oh, let's let's do, let's hire this uh, lawyer. We're going to pay him, you know, this sale. Okay, let's do it. Let's, you know, there's no... We, we, we don't fight over money. Not a lot we don't of fight over ringing and wrangling over and, and yes, that, that's great. And that's how we do it. And if you're going to work with family, you have to have a thick skin. You have to be able to um, hold your ground when you need to. And, 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 you know, you got to make sure that you each get W's, you know, it's not, it's not my way or the highway. But I also got my brother a little scared of me. And so I pretty much make majority of, of like firm decisions and he doesn't care, you know? And I mean, the only thing we share conversations deep about is, you know, maybe like bonuses at the end of the year, sure. you know, like the Christmas bonuses, but that's not how we pay our lawyers anyway. We have a much right. no, it's a, formula. It, 
It's no, I, I mean, I don't, I, I not speak for him. You say he doesn't care. I think he care. He just, he respect, you respect what each other does and are so good at and, 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 and you, and you're moving fast. And you we move really fast. We move really fast at our firm. And, and I, I, I think that, I wouldn't say that we follow any of the standard business books anymore, um, but we've made it work for all of these years, and we have a lot of years ahead of us still. Good. We're, I think we're at our prime at 53 and 56. Um, I think we've grown to have an unbelievably respected firm, and we figured each other out. So it, we, don't, we don't fight like when we were younger. We just, we just work really well together. Anything else I should ask you about your, your, your experience as a lawyer in a family, not just a family business, but a family tradition, because you have a number of you that are lawyers, uh, or we'll leave it at some of those W's. Well, I'm just trying to think, you know, I, I, uh, you started out by saying we're not the only family team. And it's interesting. I think the laws, I, I would have thought it's the law specifically, but it's, I guess it's any business. I mean, you're lucky when you have family you can work with. Um, I, yes, I guess I don't have any magic words. So you can, you can just cut that out. <laughs> no, no, no. You're um, I, I, I think you're, you are the families that work together. They, they all work together in different ways. And I don't think there is any one way. Um, and th I don't know that there's any one way. I'm just, yeah. I'm just capturing and chronicling some of those different ways that firms have constructed it and evolved it and go about it. There's just, you know, I mean, again, for us, there's no jealousy. Nobody, um, we both vacation all we want, travel all we want. Nobody's keeping it. You know, between that, the two of us, there's no no clock. That idea of the sort of the book and the ledger and the keeping score and evening out kind of stuff has come up or can come up or can be a a wedge or a thing that that I mean, you know, generational businesses they talk about they grow and then they go the other way. What are those things to prevent it from going the other way or becoming obsolete? So you've done a lot of right moves. You guys should be proud of what you've done. I love that you feel like, yep, yeah, okay. Now we get the next however many years. Uh, and I, I appreciate you so candidly sharing your 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 stories. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a great, it's a it's it's a, an honor. I really appreciate you uh, asking me to speak. And uh, I really enjoyed listening to several of your podcasts and uh, and learning from them. I listened to your succession one this morning and it was it was great. Great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Trying to, that's my chance to teach a little bit. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld at SMZ for helping make Generation Excellence, well, excellent. Until next time, I'm Jamie Michelson.